This is Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, a show that explores the world of health and wellness innovation, enabling sustainability, equity, and access to high-quality, patient-centric care. I'm Greg Masters, executive producer and co-host, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, digital health advocate, author, and global thought leader, Gil Bash. Together, we bring you thought-provoking people, groundbreaking ideas, and the transformative companies making a difference. On today's episode, we're in the company of David B. Klein, the chief executive officer and co-founder of Click Therapeutics, a company that specializes in developing and commercializing software as prescription medical treatments for patients with unmet medical needs. And with that very brief handoff, Gil, the mic is yours. Greg, thank you once again for that incredible introduction. My friend, I'm always thinking of you, always appreciating the work that you're doing here on Health Unabashed and also your show with Fred Goldstein, uh, Pop Health Week. I want to tell all our listeners to tune in to Greg and Fred and follow some of the key things that they are talking about every day on Healthcare Now Radio. Very special guest on with us today, uh, David Klein, who's the CEO of Click Therapeutics. I have heard David before. Actually, David was a keynote um, fireside chat at Hit Labs about, oh, I'd say about a year ago. I, I heard David and I said, he's got to be a guest on Health Unabashed. And here he is. David, welcome to the program. You've had uh, a very interesting background, and I'm, I'm sure that that's somewhat informed your thinking process. Just for our listeners, I just want to say that Click Therapeutics is a visionary company. It's really redefining the validity, the power, the value of digital therapeutics. Uh, David really has been, um, I think, making some important calls about the category. And um, many of you have been following it. You're wondering what is going on. I think David Klein and Click are um, are the, um, the people and the enterprise to follow. We're going to explore why exactly. Um, David, you were one of the very early people to talk about digital therapeutics, not as a so much as a digital tool or a tech tool. You really started to define this as, um, well, I would just say you use the term, a bold term. You said it's it's sort of like biopharma. It's like biotech. Um, you know, we need to have the same rigor. You know, digital therapeutics need to have the exact same rigor as um, as biopharmaceutical companies. And I, I just wanted to kick off, I want to ask you sort of a pointed question because I think you've been so, um, I think you've had some clarity on this. Is, is this because digital therapeutics ultimately are, are either competing with or complementing uh, pills and tablets, uh, tablets and uh, and capsules. Was that was that the core concept that you were thinking of? Were you also thinking about the fact that science was really going to drive this category, not the, the the G whiz, but actual clinical data was essential to making providers and payers feel um, confident and advocate advocates of the category. What when you use those terms, what were you thinking of? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Gil. I mean, first, let me just um, thank you all for having me uh, on the show today, and it's a pleasure as always to uh, speak with you, Gil. Um, I'd say, look, this goes back uh, back a long way. In in, in a 2012 um, 
I actually coined the term digital therapeutics. So it wasn't wasn't used publicly, at least until then. Uh, tried to trademark it and a, and a whole bunch of things, but that never worked out. And I'm, you know, in many respects, glad for that. But what we meant by the term was really just software as medical treatments, right? We, I was currently in the biotech industry, uh, was seeing a pretty significant rise in in mobile phone usage, and that you know people would would use these smartphones, and it was very clear that their behavior was changing, um, and we surmised even that their brains were being rewired, and figured, look, if if we could target uh, we could develop software targeting certain diseases uh, and to modify the behavior and um, and cognition in a way that could be potentially beneficial towards those diseases, we could create something that was as good, if not better than, than some drugs and even be combined with drugs for safer and more efficacious treatments. So digital therapeutics were, were born, actually created the term digital therapeutics before the company Click Therapeutics, um, just by a, by a couple of weeks, I'd say, and then founded Click Therapeutics, uh, really based on that premise that software can be medical treatments and that we'd form a kind of, call it biotech-like model around proving out that thesis. So developing software programs to treat specific diseases and proving it in randomized controlled trials. Um, I will say, you know, that term, you know, not something we own or I stake claim to by by any means. Um, and people use it in different ways, right? I think it's evolved a bit um, to what Click is doing is really in, in call it prescription digital therapeutics. And, you know, which is not a term that we uh, invented, so PDTs. And that's something where we're really looking to get these programs as medicines into the medical system. And that means physicians prescribing, uh, payers reimbursing, uh, patients using and respecting like medicines. And I think that if that's your business model, if you're really trying to get these taken seriously and adopted as medicine and really looking to develop a new um, way that many diseases are treated, um, then you've got to build an evidence base that's as good, if not potentially better than, than drugs. And, and I think that we've seen that over the last few years, um, the market has spoken. They've you, you know really said that, look, we're not gonna accept there's a lower bar of evidence for, for digital therapeutics. And um, and we're, we're now seeing, uh, Click included, a group of companies that are really approaching the space in a way uh, to generate evidence and clinical data in a very similar way than you would see drugs develop. You know, I was wondering, your your background is so different than other people who enter the space. A lot of people enter the space, um, come from it from a, a technology or an engineering background, and I meet them all around the world. And you, you sort of cut your teeth at Pfizer um, in a major way. You, you did a bit of private equity work specific to the biotech industry. I think you even have an exit or so um, in that area as an investor. Um, you, you really entered this from the point of view of, of the health sector as opposed to the engineering or technology sector. And I'm, I'm just curious, do you think that, that you're an ally, I find, 
to the uh, biopharmaceutical um, industry. You know, many of the people I meet in digital therapeutics are, are feisty and combative. They they see the, the 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 tablet or the or the capsule as the competitor. I, I get the sense that you see them as the complementer and the ally at times. Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's no doubt. Um, big pharma, small pharma, biotech, medicine companies have really changed the world. I mean, look, you know, it wasn't that long ago till the average age of people was, you know, 35 or 40, and that's been, you know, steadily going up. And it's in no small part due to these new innovative uh, compounds that have really uh, cured disease, treated disease. I mean, everything you can imagine. And those aren't going anywhere. I mean, look, if anything, they're becoming more and more sophisticated. And I think we'll begin to cure more and more uh, diseases and people will live longer and longer because of drugs. Uh, to that end, there is still this, you know, tremendous unmet need in the space where, you know, so many people with chronic conditions just, you know, sure, they they might be be getting treatment. But are they getting, you know, better or are they getting significantly better or are they being cured? Um, and the answer is really no. And, and and that's globally. And you can look at, you know, all of these different diseases from cardiometabolic to mental health disorder, di disorders uh, that are all really being helped currently by drugs for the people with access to those drugs. But they're not being helped as much as they could be. So that's one place where, you know, digital can really have a profound effect and fill these gaps. And not just in access and really the, you know, having a modality with the ability to really get to anyone in the world and get medicine to people in need, but also to result in a, in a safer and more efficacious treatment by potentially addressing some of the things that are behavioral, that really only only digital or you know sometimes face to face therapy these kind of things can do right we're talking about uh, you know safer and more effective treatments for for everyone in the world and and that's a and that's a big deal and i think we're we're, we're on an important mission to make sure that these programs become a part of standard of care outside your role as ceo of click therapeutics you did a very good job i thought at analyzing what what went wrong with Pear? And um, and obviously at the heels of Pear, we saw Babylon, Babylon Health stumble. We saw all of AI stumble. You've been a little bit of a prophet there. You almost have predicted some of this happening. Um, and I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind putting on your analyst hat for a second, not analyzing each of those companies, but <clears throat> I was just wondering, do you, do you think there's a question of, um, sometimes um, sort of like someone jumps in early, they think that they they have it all figured out, they go down a path and then they hit a wall. And I'm just holding up, our audience won't see it, I'm holding up my Apple Newton right now. I don't even know if you know what an Apple Newton was, but, um, but um, you know, the Apple Newton was a great idea. The market wanted a Palm Pilot, right? Now that's the reality. So I, I'm wondering if you had the advantage a very sort of like front runner advantage of 
of not being first in, of looking at the territory, of using that as almost market research and getting your finger on the pulse of what does the physician want? What does the payer want? How do you reflect on that and, and where you're going? Just tuning in, you're listening to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. Our guest is David B. Klein, the Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Click Therapeutics, a company that specializes in developing and commercializing software as prescription medical treatments for patients with unmet medical needs. Stay tuned for the rest of the story. To be clear, sir, we, we certainly weren't the first to conceive of digital or software as a treatment, right? By any stretch of the imagination. I mean, even Achilles was around as a company before us. There were people using websites to try to pe- treat people, you know, at least 10 years before Click was ever around. But we were before Pair. Actually, I remember the old CEO of Pair Therapeutics, Corey McCann, was actually the first investor I ever pitched Click to. Uh, at the time, he was at MPM Capital and, you know, explained what a digital therapeutic was and my vision for the space. And, you know, he ended up starting his own digital therapeutics company, which, of course, we were rooting for in a big way. I mean, it's a, you know, really a, a, a rising tide lifts all ships uh, sit, sit situation. And so we're we're really rooting for for everyone in some respect. I, I think that the peer, call it debacle, was was a bit predictable for folks who were really you know, paying attention. And the reasons why are, are, are really, you know, pair put all of their, and this is my understanding. And, you know, some of these quotes are just directly from, from ICER, but pair put all of their efforts into commercializing or their, their commercial efforts into commercializing a program called Reset O for, you know, ostensibly opioid use disorder. And there really just was no evidence of efficacy or clinical meaningful benefit pairs program of reset o there no rct was ever done on reset o and that's according to ICER, right uh, and and that's verbatim what they said and the 2014 pivotal trial that was used for fda clearance was you know very poorly controlled it was not double blinded had no sham in the control group was done on a web-based software on computers inside of a clinic. The groups weren't comparable at baseline. The study was rife with other issues and it still failed to show efficacy. So even in that study, they did not drive abstinence beyond the control in, in that study. And then they were still able to take that data, go to FDA. And this is where you know a lot of people get confused FDA never authorized Reset O with a with a treatment claim, right? FDA instead authorized a claim. Now I'm really not so sure when we're dealing with new innovative categories. And I see this a lot where first in has a lot of pimples on it. And, and then um, you know, people look at the marketplace and the marketplace desires. Opioid use disorder is a OUD is a pretty serious condition. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I, we don't have to go into it. I'm just surprised that that they would overstep what the package insert said. But I'm picking up something, David, that you're saying that you know anybody who listens to CNN, um, if you listen to CNN, you'll hear often, and I hear often in the course of a day, um, click therapeutics commercials about your your clinical trial enrollment. I mean, you're you're treating your approach like like a pharmaceutical company 
effectively. How you how you reach out to people, your your passion about getting people in a, in a clinical trial, and and again something like you know opioid use disorder is you know pr- pretty serious life threatening condition. So you know you've got to get it right. It's not just like you know sort of like you know sort of a compliance or adherence. It really is you know getting that right. Um, you you you. I notice a lot of the people you surround yourself with also have, like yourself, have pharma industry background. Um, and, and do you think that that has really helped you keep um, click on the straight and narrow in terms of, hey, we're going to dedicate ourselves to clinical evidence that is meaningful for physicians, for payers, and obviously for patients. You're pretty, you're pretty passionate about that. I've heard you write about that, or I've, I've heard you speak that. I've, I've, I've written, I've seen you write about that. Um, do you think that you have the unique advantage of like looking at the predecessors and just saying, "Hey, we're not going down that road. We're going down the road that the market requires us, or the agent, Food and Drug Administration requires us to focus on." I would say, you know, there's there's always benefit, right, into, you know, being second or third. I mean, look at, you know, we we consider what we're doing. And and to be clear, I didn't say that, um you know, pair deviated from from the label and statements or something like that. I You know, I'm not sure or, you know, certainly didn't pay an, a, as close of attention to notice anything like that. But, you know, they obviously made a, a, a huge amount of noise or, or around something that was clearly going to be an extreme uphill battle. I will say that we kind of look at this space and we look at Pear and, you know, some of those other folks really almost as like the, you know, call it my spaces of this space. Right. And there's you, you, you can kind of go down the list of different industries that developed in that exact same way. And then you start to see, you know, Meta and um, Twitter and TikTok and, you, you, you know, companies that are um, you know, very possibly learning from uh, some of those old companies and, and and just doing things better, even if they're small, they're meaningful. Um, I think, you know, we're doing a lot different. 70 of our full-timers report right up into the CTO vertical, um, you know, software engineers, product managers. Yeah, you need both. I, I, I'm wondering, you know, the FDA has issued some draft guidance on prescription drug use um, related to software. And that touches on what you said earlier, which is that digital therapeutics and uh, pharmaceutical products can complement one another. So what are your, what's your thoughts about the FDA sort of suggested guidance on um, therapeutic software? Sure. So, yeah, no, thank you for asking that, Gil. I mean, this is a whole... It's um, an important question. You got to ask it. it, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a very important question. And um, so to 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 kind of give give the audience some overview of, of that, I mean, there's there's new FDA draft guidance uh, called the Prescription Drug Use Related Software Draft Guidance, and for as an acronym, PDURS, or as Click is trying to make it happen, Peters. Um, so if you all could you know try to use that or to to make it happen, we'll see. But the the Peters guidance is, you know, critical to the industry and 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 actually to my vision in 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 first founding this company, where I always thought um, software and apps would be combined with pharmacotherapies um, to and and that result would be a safer and more efficacious treatment. What Peters does is is, is set out a pathway 
um, that if a software as a medical device demonstrates in one or more well-controlled and adequate studies, that that benefit um, can be incorporated directly into the drug label, actually right into the package insert, right? So tremendous deal. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, a drug that might get prescribed, you know, 50-50, I'm just making those numbers up, but, you know, we'll talk about, you know, Dupixin or Rinvoke for atopic dermatitis, right? And um, well, what if Rinvoke, let's say, um, added software to that drug and now, you know, added um, scratch and scratch behavior to their label where, you know, the, the biologics can, can target the, um, you know, itch pretty effectively, but scratching is something that's very behavioral oriented. And, uh, that's a very viable avenue, for example, and I could go through therapeutic area after therapeutic area on how these drugs could be improved under this guidance and now result in a, um, more efficacious, and in some cases, actually even safer uh, intervention. And I think what you'll start to see um, are more and more drug companies utilizing this guidance to improve their drugs and really in, you know, not just an offensive way, but even defense. This is a big deal for market share. If if you had prescribers that might be 50-50 on, you know, two different drugs in the same class before, and one of them all of a sudden was you know, more efficacious than the other, even if it's modest, that could tip to 70-30 or even 80-20, right? So you're talking about something that could really, and I, I believe will, profoundly affect the industry. And that it's now you know, all but written in stone that, that software will be incorporated into, into drugs as single treatments, and that the drugs of the future are, you know, likely to be the pharma companies and so on that also has the best software, right? So not just the best. Yeah, yeah it sounds like you're the perfect ally for that. You know, I, I, it's hard to believe that 30 minutes goes by in a blink and it does. So I have to ask you one last really super quick question as we're um, heading toward our close. And that is you also are looking at the use of AI um, and its role will play. And, and, and uh, in sort of our last minute left, can you give us a top line on your philosophy about Gen AI, AI, and ChatGPT in, in, in your development? Sure. So, um, you know, Click has been utilizing AI and machine learning um, since far before it was cool, right? Uh, you know, in fact, all of our products and all of our registrational trials do incorporate AI. Um, and, you know, we've been getting better and better at, at deploying it. Um, and really, I think that we, we look at it two ways, right? One is the responsible use of AI. Um, and then two is really the, you know, patient centricity in product design. How is this better for the patient? Um, so, you know, many of the ways that we're utilizing uh, AI is to Im improve uh, personalization of our programs to drive even better engagement, which ultimately we believe will drive even better outcomes. Um, now, it's important to note that, you know, much of what we use or even all of it, especially in our products are, are more call it white box AI, right? They're not at this point, uh, uh, given the regulatory constraints, 
uh, 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 generative AI, right? That's a um, you know different um, animal, and it it you know with with white box AI, for lack of a better term, you know you can you, you know it it might be trillions of lines that you need to look at, but there is all you can always determine the rationale for why you know something did something, right? It, it, it is fully algorithm based for for generative AI. Um, there's, you know, more of a, more of a, more of a mystery, uh, often in those outcomes. And I'm, and I'm greatly simplifying that. Um, but we are now starting to experiment in a very safe, uh, and contained way where, you, you know, how we can use generative AI, um, you, you know, in, in, in kind of different aspects of the company, um, and, you, you know, view ourselves and, and always have been, um, as pioneers with, with AI in, in treating patients and, and you are, well, I think you've been pioneers all along. You know, David, I am so appreciative that you, I know you, you and your family heading out on vacation. I want to thank you for making time for us on this program. Uh, I hope you'll come back again. You'll let me invite you back again to talk more about this, not just because of your great leadership at Click Therapeutics, but your full understanding of what we're doing in this industry. Uh, we've been listening to David Klein, CEO, founder and CEO of Click Therapeutics. David, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you all. Thanks for having me, Gil. And that, dear listeners, is the last word for today's Melody. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And our special guest, David B. Klein, the chief executive officer and co-founder of Click Therapeutics, a company that specializes in developing and commercializing software as prescription medical treatments for patients with unmet medical needs. Stay connected with David's work at Click via www.clicktherapeutics.com and follow Click's innovations on Twitter via at click underscore TX. You can also check out David and Click on LinkedIn as well. For more information on Health Unabashed, head over to our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Catch our show weekdays at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern or 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Keep the conversation going with Gil and me on Twitter by connecting with us via Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters M-P-H, and be sure to tag your tweets with hashtag Health on a Bash, and that is Greg with two Gs. Until next time, embrace your passion for better health unapologetically.